Matt, we're launching a, a new series today, and, and and I'm excited about it. And but I got I got to I got to ease you into it, and I got I got to get you to pray and to seek God and ask Him to do a work in you, so that what He has in mind that you can embrace. Because I I, I just you know we we've been at this for a while, and and uh, you know on the leadership team and. And, uh, you know, we, we got, it's, you know, we, we don't know as much as some people, but we know some stuff. And, and it's really interesting as we look at uh, where we are and, and just seek the presence of God and listen to what he's saying and realize that, you know, God would love to take us to some places maybe that, uh, that we've never been. I'm not saying you ain't never been anywhere in God, but I'm saying, wouldn't it be cool if God would pull you to a place deeper than you've ever been before? Huh? You know, uh, that if we could get into a place in our relationship with God where uh, real change would take place, I think that's where God's calling us. And, he, you know, in order to get there, we have to be willing to uh, embrace the reality that there's something between us and God that we'd have to deal with. You know, every single one of us is easy to, to to look at other people, isn't it? It's easier for me to you know to say, well, at least you know, at least I'm doing better than Todd. You know, at least at least I'm not like that guy down the street. At least at least I hello, and justify where we are. You know what's odd is that in church life, it's amazing uh, to find out how many people are so far from God and so comfortable with it. And, you know, and I'm not saying that you're, you, that you should be like me or that we should be like somebody else. Or, no, I'm just talking about our own individual relationship with God. That there would be, you know, distance between us and God. And we'd be fine with that. Now, I'm thinking that that's what God's wanting to address with us as an individual. That we would not allow anything that's going to cause us to not know Him the way He wants to be known by us. Hello? You know, uh, we're, we're going to launch into this thing. Obviously, the, it's called Lost, and uh, there's several stories in the Bible where Jesus uses uh, pictures of things that were lost. And, and one of the things I think is really cool is that uh, in, in the book, uh, you find that every time that he uses that illustration, when, the, when that thing that was lost, when it's found, there's always a big party. Remember the lost story of the lost sheep? If there was a man who had a hundred sheep and he lost one, wouldn't he leave the ninety-nine and go out and get after the one? And when he found it, wouldn't he carry it home? And 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 wouldn't they have a celebration? And re- remember the story about the lady who lost her coin and wouldn't she clean out the house and search diligently to find it? And when she found the coin, wouldn't she bring that coin in, call her friends up, and say, "Hey, let's have a party." I want you to understand that one of the things, I just think it's really cool to find out that what God would love to do is come party with you. He'd love to have celebration in your life and include you, you know, in, in, and I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm not lost. That's a pretty good indicator that we are. (laughs) You know, we, we. Uh, I once was lost, but now I'm found. And we think that that's, you know, okay, we got it, we got it together. Wait a minute. There's stuff between us and God that he'd love to deal with so that he can have greater intimacy with us. Amen. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, hear my voice and open the door. I'll come in to him and sup with him and he with me. God said, you know what? You're at the threshold of God's participation in your situation. 
All you got to do is open the door. And I'm coming in to sup with you. Isn't that awesome? That God, God wants you to open the door. He's not kicking it down. Well, if he's God, he can get in here if he wants. No, he, he's, he's not kicking the door down. He's waiting for you to answer the call. Amen? So we're going to launch into this thing, but you need to be, uh, you really need to be embracing uh, the, the idea that God wants to change me. I'm not saying that you're embracing the idea that God wants to change Pastor Tom. I'm asking you to embrace the idea that God wants to change you. Amen. Some of y'all, your eyes sparkled when I said that. He's going to change Tom. No, he's going to change you too. Amen. Give somebody a high five and say, we're about ready to change. One of the, one of the things that I think that we ought to prepare ourselves for is to, to, to get to a place where we're ready to live different, to, to think different, to act different, to choose different, so that we can see a different result. So that we can have more of the presence of God than we've ever had before. Amen? And so we're going we're gonna to be looking at the story of the prodigal son. And you know, the word prodigal simply means uh, recklessly spendthrift. It means to spend until you have nothing left. It's not making wise investments, but throwing caution to the wind and just letting her fly. And that's what it means to be prodigal. And often we look at the prodigal son and we think, well, that's exactly what he did. But really, if you look at the father, he was a prodigal father. Because he gave everything up. He was willing to spend. It was not a wise investment that he made, not once, but a couple of times, uh, you know, on that son that wanted to be away from him. And, And, you know, really it's a picture of God who's the prodigal God, who's bankrupt heaven to reach you. Really, it's the story of, of a father that has crazy love for his kids and two sons who are working two strategies to accomplish the same goal. See, the younger son wants the, what belongs to the father, but he doesn't want relationship with the father. Remember, he said, give me my inheritance and, and, and let me go. What he, what he wanted was what was going to come to him when his father died. And he said, I'll just live like you're dead already. Just give me what I got coming. And so quite often we focus on that younger son. But the elder son said, I'm going to hang around till you die. And then it'll all be mine. In reality, both, both sons were after the same goal. They just had different strategies to get there. And I don't know, usually people in a church service like this, you know, we, we think of people who are out and running from God as, well, that's it. But we've got to remember that there's two, there's two sons in the story. Really, the story could be called the story of the two lost sons because both of them were lost. Well, let's look at this. Luke 15, chapter 1. In the first two verses, it says, Now tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Tax collectors and sinners. I, I, love, I love this breakdown because it's not just sinners, but it's tax collectors and sinners. Because I've got to tell you something, tax collectors 
are in a category all their own. <laughs> don't, you, don't, you, don't you think it's interesting? He, he could have just said, sinners, you know, it's like sinners sucketh, King James Version. Tax collectors sucketh big time. You know, uh, you, you know you, we think that we're oppressed by our government. The government there in their age, uh, you know, it was um, uh, just it was applying insane, ridiculous taxes on people, and then they, they couldn't even face the people. So they got these guys who were pretty brazen, and they sent them out, kind of like repo men, you know, that would go out and collect the government's tax, and they would add anything they wanted to. And what they added, that's what they got to keep. And so tax collectors had a very special category all of their own because nobody appreciated them. And look what it says. Tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around him. The word gathering, it, it, it paints a picture as people wanted to be there. People wanted to be We're talking about the worst of the worst, and all these sinners wanted to hear Jesus. Don't you think it's odd that when the lost love Jesus, they just don't like his church? Just something to think about. When God, I don't got a problem with God, but it's those people. That we struggle with. Tax collectors, sinners, all pressing in. It, it, the Bible uses, you know, the writers use specific words because they had specific meanings. He could have said they gathered to listen to his messages. Studied out in the original. They didn't come to sit and listen. They weren't coming to check it out. They came to hear. And there's a difference. How many of you parents know there's a difference when your child listens to you and when your child hears you? See, because what, 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 sometimes, you know, I can tell, I, I've been, you know, there with, you know, I've got three great sons, men of God, they're awesome, but I can tell you what, when, I, when I'm looking at them and say, I, I want you to take out the trash, I know when they're listening and when they're hearing. Hello, somebody. Come on, you ladies know when your husband's listening and you know when he heard you. <laughs> These guys wanted to hear what he had to say. Look at verse 2. And the Pharisees, those were very religious people, and the teachers of the law, what were they doing? Complaining. The people who should have been so excited about the presence of Jesus we're complaining because the wrong people are getting access to the Savior. Hello, somebody. Now, now, see this with me for just a minute and just leave that verse up for a while. The, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are upset because not only sinners, but the stinking tax collectors are hooking up with Jesus, and look what they're doing. He's eating with them. He's, got, he's, got, he's in their house breaking bread, which in their age was a sign of blanket acceptance. 
you know, the Pharisees are saying, those guys don't come to our meetings, but they come to his. I bet he's just telling them what they want to hear. I bet he's not telling the truth like we tell it up in hell. He's hanging out with rule breakers. Now, don't you get under the impression, because listen, over the next few weeks, man, I'm coming to get you. I'm thinking that God's, God's, God is, God, God, God is going to reach right down in our stuff, man. And he, and he's going to shake us individually, every one of us to a point because he's wanting to move us to, to somewhere different. But don't you think for a minute, well, well, wait a minute now, as we're going through this thing, it kind of sounds like, like, uh, like, 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 uh, Pastor Tom saying that, you know, you can do anything you want and you can live anyway. No, you don't know me very well. The Bible, you know what? We're supposed to be living God's ways. These guys are freaked out because the wrong folks are being touched by the hand of the Savior. Jesus is doing it wrong because, see, we've set up some rules and some ways to do things. And the people who won't follow those rules, he's given acceptance to them. Now, get their mindset and then... Apply the story of the two lost sons, as Jesus tells it, to these guys who are upset. Because you're hanging with the wrong folks. And he says, well, let me tell you a story about a father who had two sons. And the younger son came to his father and he said, give me my inheritance. Again, I... I want what I should have when you die now, so I'm going to live like you're dead. Give me what's mine. And in their culture, that was so dishonoring to the father. He could have driven them out, abusing him on the way, driven him out of the family, given him nothing. But the father divides his property. The word used for property in this story Again, the writer could have used a word that, that was tied to wealth, money, possessions, but he didn't. He used a word, you probably will recognize the Greek word, it's bios. It's life. So the father allowed his life to be broken so that that son could have it his way. Give me what's mine. You know the story. He goes out and he lives wild life. Jesus is telling these guys that are upset because he's had meals with sinners. And he tells them, this guy goes out and he does the exact things that he's described. You know, that they've described as the sinner's. The lifestyle that they're complaining about. He says, that's the younger sons. You know, he's gotten a third of everything the father had. He's broken that, his life. And, you know, if you, if you could see this from the mindset of the elder brother, the potential that that third had to continue to produce, increase, because, you know, increase is good for all of us. Because, you know, as the family wealth grows... Everybody's inheritance grows. So that when you take a third of it away, you've, you've, you've diminished the uh, ability for us to continue to grow 
our wealth. And the younger brother leaves. The older brother lets him go. Now, in that culture, it would have been the job of the older brother to go get him. To bring him to his senses, to bring him back and say, hey, we don't dishonor dad that way. That's not how we treat it. But no, he let him go. Why? Well, because if he hangs around here, he's doing more damage than good. He makes us look bad anyways. So get him gone. Hello, somebody. Remember the story? Jesus is telling him. He says, you know, when he comes to his senses, he comes back to his right mind, and he starts rehearsing his repentance speech. I'm going to go back to my father's house and I'm going to tell him I've sinned against him and against heaven. And and, and I will not come back as a son because I've already broken that relationship. I've I've already taken that inheritance. See, if if I go back as a son, I'd have to repay that debt. I can't. So I'm going to go back and, 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 and admit I've made mistakes. Admit I'm living wrong. Admit I've sinned against you and against heaven. And, and I'll just come back and serve. And he practices his speech. But his father, seeing him afar off, runs out to, runs out to greet him. That's another no-no in their culture, man. The, the patriarchal leader of the, of the house, he didn't run. Because it would be a sign of humiliation. Little boys and little girls run. Women could run. and That was the correct answer right there. Uh, but the, 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 the leader of the, of the house, he wouldn't run. Well, he's running. The elder brother's back there thinking, good Lord, not only should you have cut him off when he left and, and not diminished our growth potential, but now you're humiliating us in public because you're running to greet him. And the father didn't even let him, go read the story later, the father didn't let him rehearse his, his repentance speech. He cut him off in the middle and he said, bring me the best robe. Not a robe, the best robe. The best robe. Well, who do you think the best robe belongs to? The father. Well, the elder brother's looking at it going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If he gets the best robe, then the best robe won't be there in my inheritance. Because when you die, I'm supposed to get the best robe. And now you've taken what belongs to me in my future and given it to the guy who diminished our growth potential. And you've put him back in position by giving him the robe. He's not a servant. He's a son. So now you've diminished our my inheritance. Again, what was once 100% is now 70%. What is 70% now just got cut down by 35% of that. Hey, I'm, I'm losing here. I know you're loving him, but it's killing me. Don't seem right. And remember what the elder brother said. I've been here. I've followed every rule. How come I'm paying the price? Both brothers. Both brothers. Were consumed with what the father had. And wanted to figure a way to get it. but weren't pressing for the Father himself. See, I think most of us in here, I don't know, maybe we've got some younger brothers, but I think most of us in here, we're elder brothers. 
we've, we've allowed life to keep us busy. We love what the Father can do for us, but we're not pressing in too hard for the Father. Well, I don't know how you could say that. Well, let's measure our growth, our spiritual growth. You know, how do I know if I've slipped into a place where I'm like the elder brother? I mean, Jesus is telling the story. Why? Because he's wanting to move these guys. He's wanting, he, he, he loves younger brothers, but he loves elder brothers too. And, you know, he's not telling the story to warm their heart. He's telling the story to shatter the categories. Well, how do I know if, if I'm there? Well, let, let me give you two things that you could measure in your spiritual journey that would let you know if you're really in pursuit of the Father, if, if you kind of might have an elder brother mindset. Just two things. Number one would be a dry prayer life. When prayer is dry. Number two would be worship is empty. So if your prayer life's dry or your worship is empty, it might just be possible that you've got a elder brother mentality. Let me ask you this. We're not going to get into the, the meat of this stuff. So let me just throw some questions at you and, 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 and we'll jet. But just something to consider over the next few days and, and realize that we're going to go after this stuff, you know, in, in the, you know, upcoming weeks, we're, we, we're going to let God change us. But let me ask you this. The Bible says that the fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let me ask you, does that describe or define your prayer life? The fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man. Is there something that clicks like a switch on the inside of you when you begin to pray? When you begin to, to go into the presence of God, because effective prayer is taking God's word into God's presence, getting into agreement with God on that word. When you begin to take God's word into his presence, when you, when you begin to pray, is it like a switch that comes on the inside of you and light begins to pump through your veins? As you begin to say, Father, I just come into your presence today. God, I just thank you that no weapon formed against me can prosper. God, I thank you that even though weapons are being formed against us, I thank you, Father, that they're not going to have any effect because you are my God and you are on my side. No weapon formed against me can prosper. And tongues that rise up against me, I can condemn. God, I just praise you because it is the heritage of the children of the living God, saith the Lord. What's your prayer life like? Is it, is it fervent? Is it effective? Are, are, you, are you excited about an opportunity to hook up with a co-worker who doesn't know God and maybe get him to break down just a little bit so that he could tell you something that's crazy bad in his life so you could pray for him? So that he would maybe recognize that as you prayed about what he told you about. And you said, listen, don't worry about it. I'm just going to pray about that. And then you get in your prayer closet. Are you excited because you know that as God's answering your prayers, is going to change his perspective? And open a door for him to see the goodness of God. Is that pumping on the inside? How's your prayer life? Are you just praying that I'd hurry up and end this message so you could get on out the door? What's your worship like? What's going through your mind on the 13th time through the bridge? Is it, dear God, how long is this song? <laughs> worship. The word worship. 
means to rivet your eyes or attention on someone or something, to sit at one's feet even as a dog sits at his master's feet, licking his master's hand. I'm just putting it out here. Is your worship empty? Dry? A lot of us have traded singing songs for worshiping God. You just sing. Or let me rephrase it. You just listen while others sing. You don't experience the presence of God when you worship. Because it's just a ceremonial act to you. Well, maybe, maybe, just maybe, God's wanting to reveal himself in a way that would impact your prayer life and the experience you have through worship. I'm not telling you that at the end of this series, everyone's going to be jumping up and down with a family-sized Bible, singing songs to God at the top of their lungs. Some of you, we pray that will never happen because we've heard you. But I think it's safe to say that if there's nothing, no fire, no life in your prayer, if there's no release in your worship... See, Jesus also said in John chapter 4, he said, The Father seeks people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. I, I know, I know what the elder brother's problem is a lot of times is that we're looking for something. And it's consumed us to the point that we have no idea what he's looking for. We're looking for a healing. We're looking for a breakthrough. We're looking for a... But what's he looking for? He's seeking people who will worship in spirit, in truth. See, he wants you to know the love that this father showed, not only to the younger brother, but even to the elder brother. We'll get into it, but remember that blanket acceptance that irritated the religious... Well, again, Revelations 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him. You know what God's wanting you to know? He's wanting you to experience blanket acceptance in your life. That the things that have driven you nuts, the stuff that the enemies use to tear you down, the, the mindsets and the beliefs that I'm not good enough or I'm not, I'm not worthy. God's wanting to come against that and break the power over your life so that you could actually live with a revelation of I am accepted by God himself. I don't need anybody else's approval. I got God's. I don't even... Need my approval. Well, don't you think that those people, if they're, if they're, if they're, if they really mean it, if they really mean it, don't you think there'd be repentance? Re repentance is between you and God, between me and God. And I'm telling you what, I'm, I, yeah, I'm thinking that we're going to see some radical changes in the way we live, the way we feel, the way we think, the way we make our choices. I think that we're going to live life God's ways. 
But I think a lot of us are sitting here waiting for somebody else to make these changes when God said, if you are my people and you humble yourself and pray and turn from your wicked ways, seek my face, not their change of heart. What we're supposed to be seeking is him. See, here's what I'm believing, and, and, and we're done. I'm out of time. But here's what I'm believing is that we would take this opportunity as we enter the last six months of this year, the second half, part B, phase two, as we go into the end of this year and we look at this year and we would make a commitment. We're going to try to get us to a place where we can make a commitment that what we're going to do is live with insane generosity. That we would find people who could not possibly repay and we're just going to live to give in their life. That we'd find people that don't deserve it. And we'd show them the love of God anyway. That we wouldn't live like the younger brother. That we wouldn't live like the elder brother. But that we'd act like a son of the father. That we'd demonstrate his characteristics. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could, as a corporate body, if we could take the last six months of this year and say, you know, what would happen if we took six months and we just act like God? How would he handle these opportunities we see every day? That we wouldn't look at people and say they don't deserve it. And we wouldn't make them jump through hoops, but we'd find a way to just let love flow through us. So get ready, because I'm coming after you. I think the Spirit of God's coming after us. He's going to call home younger brothers, and he's going to bring a little correction to elder brothers. And he's going to bring freedom to our lives so that we can actually be a prodigal house. Not for the sake of wise investment. Not to see what we can get if we sow that seed. (laughs) But if we see how close we can get. If we just live this way. Seeking Him. Amen? Do me a favor, close your eyes, bow your head, let me pray for you.